Well, good morning. I want you to take your um, bulletin or just something that you can write notes on, because this morning I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to look at two insights, we're going to look at one word, and we're going to look at five results. So you should at least have seven or eight things written down before you leave here today. Last week we started a brand new sermon series entitled Six Great Prayers That You Don't Pray Enough Of. Ron Hunter did an incredible job teaching on Isaiah 64 and other passages. And the prayer was, Lord, shape me. Lord, shape me. Today our prayer is, Lord, fill me. Sung about that a lot, didn't we? Lord, fill me. On September 10th, 19, or 1897, 1897, the first recorded drunk driving arrest was made. It was made by a, it was a man named George Smith who lived in London, England. One night, Smith was drinking and driving. He crashed into a building, and after he was arrested for drunk driving, he eventually pled guilty to the charge. He was sentenced to 25 shillings, his occupation... Taxi driver. It was under the influence. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. And I'd like for us to read the scriptures together. And you know, I don't want you to read it like you're in a dry old, boring old Sunday school class or a student lecture hall. The word of God is live and living and active, and it's the rule of faith and practice for us today. And so I want you to read it like it's a a living word from God to us today. Ephesians chapter 5, and by the way, this is out of the English Standard Version, and that's the translation I'll be using today. All right? So here we go. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making medley to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is a great passage. And in that passage, you'll find a dangerous prayer to pray And it's, Lord, fill me. Matter of fact, the centerpiece of that text is the phrase, be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the breath of God. Be filled with the love of God. Be filled with the joy of Christ. Be filled. Be filled. And we need to pray. We have to pray, Lord, fill me. Why? Why is that a prayer we don't? pray enough of why it is a prayer that we need to pray um, multiple times throughout the day because it's all about living under the influence of the Holy Spirit, Christ the Son, and God the Father. Matter of fact, in that text, all three are represented. This passage is not just about the Holy Spirit, but it is also about Christ the Son and God the Father. Therefore, is set in the context of what we just read, the word therefore. Now, I was taught in college that anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, as you're reading through the Bible, you ought to find out what it's there for. Now, sometimes we don't translate uh, exact equivalents, 
And there are at least eight or so, well, there's a series of therefores, the word therefores, in the book of Ephesus. But it's the last therefore that makes all the other therefores possible. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a series of therefore passages. In your translation, the word therefore may or may not start each phrase, but in the Greek, it could be translated with a therefore in the beginning of each phrase. And then I'm going to follow it up with the last therefore that makes the first therefore that I just read possible because without the last therefore be filled with the Spirit, none of the anything else, anything else would not be possible. And by the way, when I say spirit, I want you to understand that it is just not a singular focus on the Holy Spirit. The whole trinity is represented in the passage. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, be filled with the Spirit. Matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 4, 1, and then you're going to just kind of do a responsive report and say, therefore, be filled with the Spirit. All right? So there's a little participation. Don't mess up. The ushers will have to carry you out. All right? So here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Therefore, be filled with the Spirit. You got it. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 of chapter 4 says, Therefore this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Therefore be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Therefore be filled with the Spirit. Verse 7 says... Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, therefore be filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, therefore be filled with the Spirit. Verse 17 says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Therefore, be filled with the Spirit. And then verse 18, therefore, be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That last therefore makes all the previous therefores possible. You cannot live the first therefores in Ephesians 4 and 5 without the anchoring of Ephesians 5.18 of being filled with the Spirit, of being filled with the fullness of Christ, and being filled with the love of God. It just is not possible. And so the last therefore makes all the other therefores incredibly, incredibly livable. It says, therefore, (coughs) be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul's purpose, Paul's purpose is not to make a case against drinking wine, even though, <coughs> excuse me, I think uh, a case can be made in our culture, in our time. Rather, Paul's point 
is, his purpose is to bring into sharp contrast and focus the difference of being under the influence of alcohol and being under the influence of the Spirit of God. And in their culture, in the city of Ephesus, this was the sharpest contrast Paul could make of being under the influence of the Spirit or being under the influence of something else. The city of Ephesus was a major metropolitan city. It was home of one of the seven wonders of the world at that time, the temple of Diana. The goddess Diana was known as the goddess of the hunt, the goddess of fertility, the goddess of pleasure. She was, she, she in this temple worship, they believed, or the followers of Diana, they thought that being under the control and the influence of alcohol or opiates would bring them closer to God. So in our terminology, we would not use the word debauchery as we just read in Ephesians 5.18. We would use the word wasted. They believe that if you got totally wasted, that it freed up the spirit and opened the soul and you could get closer to God. Paul was addressing this wicked culture of the day. By the way... Many of you do not abuse or get wasted on alcohol, but I'm convinced that most of us in this room do abuse something, whether that abuse is food, and that's why fasting is so hard for a lot of us, because we just kind of abuse this thing of food, or whether it's work, or media, or sports, or pleasure, or religion, and many times we think we do these things for for higher reasons and a greater good. To, and sometimes we even think they bring us closer to God or, or to ultimate self-realization and self-fulfillment. But if you don't have that last therefore, be filled with the Spirit. You cannot live a full and complete life in Christ. Now let me give you the first insight that kind of underlines the text before we look at the words of the text. And here's the first important insight. What we seek to fill us controls us. What you seek to fill you controls you. For a large segment of the Ephesus population, it was alcohol, it was sex, it, was, it would be like, you know, what we would say, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. It, it was just this wide open party, hearty life. And that's what drove them. Maybe they rationalized it. Maybe they justified it. Maybe it was part of the whole Greek mythology thing that they thought it brought them closer to God. I don't know. I'm just simply saying that what we seek to fill us controls us. What we seek to fill us gets a hold of us and it drives us. And what we seek to ease our emotional pain to keep us going slowly but surely will master us. Now listen, I believe that God created everyone to have a full, intimate, loving relationship with Him. Don't you? I believe God wants to be known by you and He wants you to know Him. He wants to have this intimate relationship. And when relationship isn't there or not what it biblically should be, then we have a hole in our soul. There's this, there's this gap, there's this hole. Because we have no purpose, we have no meaning, we have no real value in life apart from a connected relationship, a personal relationship with God the Father, Christ the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have no, so we look for things to fill that hole in our soul. 
The Ephesians were doing it with alcohol. You know as well as I do what our culture seeks to fill it with today. I just want to say that that hole in your soul cannot be filled with anything apart from the power and the presence and the promise and the fullness of Jesus Christ. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else even comes close. Because Christ is all we need. By the way, there are many things to fill the hole in your soul because of your empty relationship with Jesus Christ as there are people. The point is, what we seek to fill us controls us. The second important point that I think underlines this whole thing is that being filled with God's filling is the only filling that will fill you. That being filled with God's filling is the only filling that will fill you. That will satisfy that hole in your soul. That will give you meaning and value and purpose in life. That will, that will help bring some semblance of understanding to a world that is just kind of out of control a bit in parts. And where sin has just marred and messed up the lives of a lot of people. By the way, everybody is a disciple of somebody. Amen? Everybody in this world follows either a person, an idea, an ideology, or some spirit of some sort. Everyone, and I mean everyone, follows a person, an idea, uh, or, or a spirit. The question is, which person, which idea, which spirit will you allow you to influence your heart? What will truly influence you so that you live by it? to direct you, to, to influence you. Now, you're not a robot here. You get the choice. God has given us the gift of free will. You can choose to follow after Christ, or you can choose to reject him. You can choose to walk in sin, or you can choose to ask forgiveness. You can choose to live wayward of God, or you can choose to come back home to the Father, as the prodigal son did in Luke 15. All I'm simply saying is the goal here is that Christ wants us to live in his fullness and, and spiritual maturity and all the fullness and spiritual maturity that we've been promised. And we only get that when we have been filled with the Spirit. That's why we need to pray every day this dangerous prayer, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Now, first of all, I want to just reiterate again, I don't think this is a singular focus in this text because all persons of the Trinity were mentioned. I think this is a, I, I think here that the Holy Spirit is representative of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The text bears way to that. In fact, the entire chapter bears way to that. In fact, the entire last Three verse chapters of Ephesians where it's very practical and how we are to live our lives testifies to that and the first three chapters of Ephesus where it talks about it's a great Christological passages uh, of scripture are found there by Paul's hand it's there for us and so I just when I say the spirit don't get locked in on just the Holy Spirit oh I believe it is the Holy Spirit but I also believe it's God the Father and I also believe it's Christ the Son because they're three in one we can't separate them out you understand that right they all go together 
But I know a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm just kind of spirit-led, spirit-driven, spirit-this, spirit-that. And they almost say nothing about Jesus Christ or God the Father. I want you to understand you kind of you shave a lot out of your theology just by focusing on one person of the Godhead. Are you with me? So when we say be filled with the Spirit, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the word filled. Look at verse 18 again. It says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, some Bible scholars will equate this command with instances of being filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts, in which the miraculous happened. Pentecost came down. They spoke in tongues and and other languages. They had the ability to heal and cast out demons. I mean, it was just a a time of, of any time that they were filled with the filling of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. They had this miraculous kind of signs and wonders working, and that's incredible, and that's awesome. They spoke in tongues, prophecy, visions were given, and people were healed. Be filled in this verse is the word, Greek word, palaero, P-L-A-R-E-O would be a transliteration of it. And it's not the same word used ten times in the book of Acts, which is, and I hope I get this right, pimlemai. If you are a Greek scholar, I apologize. If you're not a Greek scholar, go, wow, that was impressive that he made it through that word. And so the word is different, fill and fullness. Matter of fact, Paul would consistently use the parleo word throughout the book of Ephesus. Luke would use the pimplime. I messed it up that time. I didn't want to. But anyway, he would use the other word throughout the book of Acts. They have a little different meaning. One is always followed in the book of Acts. It is always followed by signs and wonders and miracles. And praise God for that. But in Ephesus, in Ephesus, our understanding of this command in verse 18 to have doesn't appear to have anything to do with the miraculous or the ordinary. It's better to be understood in the context, which means to be directed influenced, and ultimately governed by the Spirit of God. Okay? I'm not saying the Holy Spirit cannot do miracles and signs and wonders. I just think the context leads us to believe that we're not to be drunk with wine. We're not to be under the influence of alcohol. We're to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're not to be given over to the things of this world. We're to be given over to Christ the Son. We're not to be given over to loving the things of the world. We're to be given over to love of God the Father. And so this verse talks to us about being directed influence governed by the spirit of god that's why we need to pray almost not every day we need to pray this prayer several times a day lord fill me lord fill me i want to go in this meeting i want to go into this job i want to go to my work i want to go to school tomorrow under the influence of the holy spirit i want to be directed by the spirit of god i want to be moved and governed by the love of jesus christ That's a dangerous prayer to pray, isn't it? Because sometimes you just want to smack people upside the head. Amen? Sometimes you just want to scream and holler. Sometimes you just want to let your temper fly, and then you have to pray, Lord, fill me. Lord, let me be under your your direction and your guidance and your influence. 
In the original language, it reads, keep on being filled. So if we were to transliterate it into English, it would be, say, therefore, be not drunk with wine, but, be, but keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is a, an experience that we can enjoy constantly, moment by moment, not just on special occasions. It's an everyday prayer. It's a kind of a common man's prayer. And it's important to understand that the word fill is passive. We don't fill ourselves. But we come under the influence of the Spirit of God to allow the Spirit of God to fill us. Got that? To fill us. The verb fill has nothing to do with the content or quantity of an empty vessel. See, sometimes I think we look at this verse and we go, oh, God wants to pour his spirit into me, right? I want to be filled with the spirit. I want to be full of the spirit. I want to be filled with the spirit. And so we think that that first image, the one on your left, is the way what the picture, what the verse is describing. But I think the verse is really describing more of the speed limit sign. When you're out on the road, and I know this is such a godly crowd. I mean, you're here at 9.30 on Sunday morning, on a rainy Sunday morning, and you are here, praise God. And I am thankful you're here, and I know that nobody sped on their way to get here. You know what the speed limit does? It influences the rate of speed you drive. It governs your foot on the accelerator. It controls what you do through influence. You can choose to be a NASCAR driver and go 140 miles down Will Carlton Road. You can choose not to live under the influence. And when you choose to live not under the influence of the speed limit sign, especially if you're at that end of Will Carlton Road where they got the little speed trap going on, you know what's going to happen. You are going to get busted. Why? Because you didn't follow the influence. You didn't yield to the influence of the sign. God says the Holy Spirit... Is there so we can live under its influence. Every moment of every day, not just Sunday morning people, every moment of every day, God wants to influence and he wants us to live under his influence. See, we already have, have all the fullness. Matter of fact, Paul goes through kind of a, a list of of what it means. We'll get to that in just a second. By the way, this is not a, a, new, a new thought in church history. Theologians have long since held this belief. Honer says this. It says it may be more accurate to say that the Holy Spirit is the agent of filling and Christ is the content of the filling. Thus, in this relationship as a believer is yielded to the Lord and controlled by them. Weist in his work studies, it's a classic, said, be constantly being filled with the Spirit to be constantly moment by moment being controlled by the Spirit of God. The prayer to pray is, Lord, fill me, fill me. 
And the word indicates that the filling is a moment by moment, repeatable action. And it's something that Paul commands all of us to do because every day, man, we are, it is so easy to step away from the influence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Am I not right? It is so easy. It is so easy to let a word come out that shouldn't be spoken. Anger come out that should have never been expressed. A raunchy joke that you had no business saying. Words that offended instead of brought healing. It is so easy to step away from the Holy Spirit. It's so easy to get a a critical mindset. It's so easy to be hateful to others. It's so easy to step out under from under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's our choice. God is not going to follow us around with the influence of the Holy Spirit spraying us down and chasing us down wherever we go. The Holy Spirit's influence is there when we do those things of the therefores, you know, that I talked about earlier, but when we stay, when we willingly stay under his influence the problem is is we don't make that choice every day do we matter of fact for many of you the only time you think about being influenced by god is when you come into this building for an hour or so and then you leave and you go and before you get the door your speech changes I mean, in here it's, hey, brother, hey, sister, how you doing? God bless you, man. We are glad to have you today. Before you hit the door, it's, man, I don't know if the Red Wings are ever going to win another game. If I see one more basketball game with Golden State, I'm just going to... If I hear one more time Tom Brady is the best quarterback or football player ever, please... It's so easy to come under the influence in this room. But when we leave the door, all of a sudden, we just kind of step out from under it. Listen, God wants you to live consciously under the influence of the Holy Spirit 24-7. You don't take time off. You don't get a day off. You don't even get an hour off. We are to live under the influence. That's why we got to pray. We have to pray, Lord, fill me. Because my flesh wants to wander. My flesh wants to stray. My heart gets distracted. So Lord, fill me so I, so I sit your presence, so I stay under your influence, so I stay under your guidance, so I stay in your, in your sphere of governance and control. Matter of fact, look at the words that Paul uses. Look at the word Paul uses. He he uses a lot of fullness language. Check it out. According to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 23, the church is Christ's body. It already shares in his fullness. And Ephesians 2.10, believers have already come to the fullness of life in Christ. In Ephesians 3.19, Paul in this great climactic petition for the Christians there at Ephesus, and I think for us all. It says, be filled to all, be filled to all the fullness of God. According to verse chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible tells us in Ephesus that Christ is the agent who fills all things, 
And this he does by giving ministers to people. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Then you go to chapter 4 and verse 13. It looks like clearly that maturity is a sign as the fullness of Christ. What Paul does in the first three chapters is says that everything you need has been given to you by God the Father through Christ the Son. In the first three chapters, it's this great Christological passage where he just, man, he just nails the sovereignty of God and he just nails the sufficiency of Christ. Now he comes and says, Christ is expressed in our life as we stay under the influence of the Spirit. So pray, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Well, it's interesting that Paul doesn't go into a lot of detail about this being filled. What he does is he goes immediately to the results of being filled. And so I'm not going to speak where Scripture doesn't speak, but I do want to just kind of share there are five things, five results stated in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, that if you're living under the influence of all Holy Spirit, these things are true of you. All right? Now, by the way, these things are not sometimes true of you. These things are true of you. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for it is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. Addressing one another. The Greek language is so much more expressive than, than the English here. It's speaking to one another, but the word is a term of endearment. It's living in a sense of community. It's having a relationship with other believers where you know them and you're known by them. It's speaking to one another, and we, could, we would not do damage to Scripture if we added Christ's phrase from John, John's text, speaking to one another in love. The idea is that Christians are to live in community. Faith is done through relationships. Your relationship with God the Father, your relationship with God the Son, your relationship with God the Holy Spirit. And it finds its expression and it grows in strength as we live in relationship to one another. Hasn't your wife helped you, gentlemen, be a better Christ follower because of that relationship? Oh, no? Haven't you had to pray more? Haven't you had to work on patience more? You heard about the couple that was fussing and fighting and, and fuming. And I mean, they were just going to town. And finally, out of sheer frustration, the husband just blurted out, Honey, I don't know why God made you so beautiful and yet so stupid at the same time. And she shouted back, Well, God made me beautiful so you could love me. And God made me stupid so I could love you. Matter of fact, if you read the rest of Ephesians, from chapter 22 through chapter 6 and verse 4, you'll find that there's three sets of relationships that faith is to be expressed in. Husbands and wives, parents and children, employees, employers. Wow. Tell me we don't need to live under the influence in each of those situations. That's why we have to pray, Lord, fill me. 
Lord, fill me. Lord, let me just walk in it. Let guide my thoughts, govern my thoughts, influence my thoughts. I don't want to think like that. I want to think like you think. Lord, I don't want to feel like that. I want to love other people. I want to be more loving as technology brings us more together but more distant at the same time. It's incredible. We have more touches with people but less no knowledge and connection with people. So he says, speak, speak, speak to one another. And then the second result is singing. There's joy in your heart. When my kids were little, and they'll still do it now. They'll just go through the house and, and play. When they're home, it's still at 30s and late 20s, man, they'll just sit down at the piano. Nobody around. They just sit down at the piano and start banging on that thing, you know, and and, and, and they all play different things, and, but, but man, they sing. And remember your children or our grandchildren, man, they go through the house skipping and singing. You don't have a clue what they're singing. It could be the Barney song or Jesus Loves Me, but it's just a song, and we sing because there's joy in our heart. And so singing has that idea of joyfulness. But by the way, if you are this, always this cranky person, man, I'm telling you that is not right. Making music is worship, giving thanks is this attitude of gratitude, and submitting, submitting to one another. Wow, that is just giving up your right to be right, so that what is better can go forward. Paul just kind of gets down to it when he says, be filled live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So in 1897, George Smith got the first ticket for driving under the influence. I, I wonder if an apostle, John or Paul, well, Paul wasn't an apostle, but John or, or Matthew, Bartholomew, Simon the Zealot, I wonder if God would just drop them in our auditorium today. I wonder if they would write you a ticket for being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if those five results of being under the influence of and the fullness of Christ the Son, living up to everything that He has promised us or living in everything that He has promised us, I wonder if they would write you a ticket for living under the influence. That's why we need to pray every day, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Guide my thoughts. Help me to choose my words. Lord, govern my emotions. Lord, fill me so I can be more and more and more like Jesus Christ.